Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that you and your family are doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing my friend and former pastor, Jim Osman. Jim is the pastor of Kootenai Community Church in Sandpoint, Idaho. Jim's written a number of books that I would highly commend to you, and we'll talk briefly about those at the end of the program. But all of the links to the pertinent information uh, down below in the description there. And um, so let me set the table here a little bit. Uh, This past October... Dr. Michael Brown was uh, hosting one of his podcasts, and I happened to catch it 20 or so minutes before it went live, but the title of it was How to Deepen Your Discernment. And when I saw that, I texted Jim and let him know about it and um, encouraged him to call in because uh, he and I have often talked. There's just a, a massive gaping hole in Dr. Brown's discernment as it relates to the charismatic movement and some of his own close personal friends who are leaders in the charismatic movement. And um, I wanted Jim to call in because I, I figured if I would, I wasn't, I didn't have a high level of confidence that I would be put through, especially on, on this issue. And so anyway, Jim is just as um, able to speak to these issues as am I. So I encouraged him to do it and he did a great job. So we're going to be playing some clips from um, that program. Jim's call indeed was accepted. And so we're going to be playing some of those clips and we'll be engaging some of the points. Now, uh, this was, uh, as I said, back in October, a number of months ago, four or so months ago, five, whatever. But um, we've just had a hard time connecting our schedules. But anyway, uh, we are doing it now. And let me say that uh, I, I want to ask of you a couple of things. Number one, please watch this all the way through before you form an opinion. If you need to put it on, it's over an hour, about close to an hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half long. But uh, if you need to put it on double time or 1.5 or whatever, that's fine. But please watch it all the way through before you form an opinion because we're going to, we're going to be engaging a, a number of different points, very important points and points that I see absolutely no other way to look at other than how we look at it, and that is through the biblical lens. There are some serious issues that we're going to be dealing with. And let me also say that uh, I'm sure Dr. Brown will watch this. Uh, some of his supporters will watch this, and uh, and that is fine. I'm, I'm glad of that. Um, Dr. Brown has done some really good work in other issues. Uh, you'll hear us say later in the program in this episode that uh, he is dated dated debated penal substitutionary atonement has done an excellent job at that his work uh, regarding the homosexual issue and how to view that through a biblical lens is excellent so um, he's quite capable and that's really kind of the rub here is that that he is capable he does know a lot and so if there is anyone in the charismatic movement who would be equipped and uh, should be able to speak to these issues, one would think it would be he, uh, because he he does know a lot, and yet he doesn't. Um, now, he is, 
he will speak in generalities about some of the abuses in the charismatic movement, but he will not name names. He absolutely will not name names. And some of the most egregious, blasphemous heretics and known charlatans and hucksters, he absolutely will not call out by their name as people to mark and avoid. So so we're going to be dealing with all that. So this is just a, an introduction. I kind of want to set the table here so you'll watch it all the way through. And um, and, and know that this is... Uh, you know we're we're not making a uh, an evaluation one way or the other about Dr. Brown's sincerity. Uh, I have no doubt that on the issues that he deals with and that he's done a good job with, he's he's quite sincere. But uh, many of you have heard me say before, sincerity is not the issue; truth is the issue. And there is a lot, a great deal of reproach being brought upon the charismatic movement actually itself, but uh, more worrisome, far more worrisome, the name of Christ. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you very much. And without any more delay, let's go to the episode. And uh, it is my honor and privilege to have Jim on with me. So Jim, uh, welcome to the program, brother. Thanks for coming back on. Yeah, thank you, Justin. I appreciate the opportunity to come on. It's been a while since that program aired. And you and I have talked about doing this interview. We probably should give the viewers a little bit of background as far as how I got on the program, because I didn't know that that program was going to air. You texted me the the link to the YouTube video about 20 minutes before they went live. And the title of that, the title of that YouTube video was how to deepen your discernment. And I texted you right back and said, self-awareness is dead. I mean, people, it's just the irony of that, that a man who is given so much cover to the extremists and the wackos and the charismatic movement would be talking about how other people can become more discerning. It was just the irony was so thick. And uh, that's when you suggested I should call up and challenge him with that very thing. And you and I banter back and forth and you offered me a hundred dollar gift card to red Robin to go on the program. And I said, I don't need that. I'll do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And I wanted you to, because honestly, I didn't, I didn't know if, I mean, when my name came up, I didn't think they would, they would have me on. Maybe they would have, I don't know, but I knew you could do just as well as, as I could. And uh, you would fly in under the radar, have a better chance of actually getting on the program. Cause I didn't, I figured they would probably uh, go to caller number two when they saw my name pop up. Yeah, so. I was the first, I was the first one that came up. I, I called yeah. before the program started to get on the line to wait. And uh, then I was the first one they took after that first break. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was only about eight or so minutes, but it was a fascinating eight or nine minutes. And so uh, I'm just going to play a few clips here and you and I can interact on this and talk about some of the, some of the issues that come up. So this first clip, this was, this is before you were actually um, patched in, but let's just listen to Michael Brown as he sets up his program and uh, talks about how, Jim, you and I and any other cessationist would have no more credibility to talk about discernment than would Michael Brown, given our critique of his association. So let's listen to what Dr. Michael Brown says, and then we'll, we'll discuss. And as I thought, as I reflected, as I prayed, I, I, I thought it would just be really helpful to spend some time on the subject of spiritual discernment. Now, what's interesting is that there will be critics, those who believe that I'm off because I'm charismatic 
or because of certain people I work with in the charismatic movement. And that they'd say, Brown, you have no discernment whatsoever. How can you talk to us about discernment? I find it interesting that the critics who accuse me of lack of discernment, in my view, are, are missing a massive work of the spirit around the world and are misinterpreting a large portion of very significant scripture through the new, the new Testament. Okay. All right. So Jim, we just heard Dr. Michael Brown say that uh, a cessationist, any cessationist would not have a credible leg on which to stand to critique his discernment. When as cessationists, you and I are missing large portions of scripture and we're missing uh, the vast majority of what the Holy Spirit is doing around the world. So what would you say to that? Well, I would say, for one, he's this is a form of question begging. He is actually presuming or assuming that what is goes under the guise of the work of the Spirit in charismatic circles is, in fact, the work of the Spirit. So that that's his bottom line assumption. Mm-hmm. From that, he is criticizing this, uh, can, the cessationists, you and I, of suggesting that we are missing it, that the Spirit of God is doing all of these things. He is he is speaking, he's revealing truth in dreams, he's prophesying inaccurate things about the 2020 election to all these prophets, and, and you and I are, you and I are unable to see these genuine works of the Spirit of God all over the world, resurrections and healings and leg lengthenings and all the good stuff going on in the charismatic movement. We're just missing it. We're missing out on it. That's, that's his assumption. Um, and I would say there's a fundamental difference between what you and I uh, um, would be accused of missing out on. And, I mean, let's, let's grant for a moment that Let's grant for a moment that he's correct, that all of those things are genuinely happening and that they're the work of God. You and I, our objection, we're sitting back and we're saying, okay, if, if this is the work of the Spirit of God, we need to see some proof, maybe some accurate prophecies, for instance, maybe some actually organic miracles, for instance, actual resurrection caught on tape, for instance, other than you know, a guy, a guy just recently buried sitting in a coffin where his cell phone goes off, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> let's let's see the genuine evidence of this. And when we see the genuine evidence of this, then, then we can evaluate that in, in light of Scripture. That's mm-hmm. what we're waiting for. We're, we're holding Scripture up, and we're saying, okay, we're, we're, we would be, you, you show us the evidence, and we'll embrace it. But, but so far, the teaching of Scripture says this, and, and we're not going to just embrace this because it claims to be of God. That seems to be a, a good default position. Um, so, yeah, we would be missing out on things because we're being skeptical and wanting to evaluate everything according to Scripture. Whereas what Michael Brown is doing by embracing all of this lunacy of the charismatic movement and finding himself hard-pressed to criticize Benny Hinn, Sid Roth, Todd White, Todd Bentley, and any of those guys, what he's actually doing is he is allowing people, he is giving shade and cover to people, refusing to call out people who are mm-hmm taking these activities and they're claiming that this is the work of God. Some of this stuff may genuinely be the work of Satan. And you're claiming that God is doing this, these things. And if God is not doing those things and you're attributing them to him, that seems to me that that is a a blasphemous thing that you're attributing to God. And if God is not saying things and you're saying he is saying these things, then again, that is a form of blasphemy as well. So let's, if, if you take it from both sides of that equation, our issue, our issue is that we're a little skeptical. We want to test things by scripture. And so we'd be missing out on this massive move with the spirit of God. If he's wrong, he's blaspheming the work of God. He's blaspheming God's name by attributing to God things that he has not said or done. Exactly. And that, and we'll probably talk more about this, but that is, uh, I did a video on my YouTube channel some time ago. Uh, the, the problem with the charismatic movement in a nutshell, and I played a video of Mario Murillo and he's talking about, he references all of the, the, the plethora of false prophets about the 2020 election. 
And he said, people are so caught up whether or not the prophets missed it. You know, did they get it wrong? You know, that's what they're caught up about. He said, the real problem is that we have a country to save. Now, what should be possessing the body of Christ at this moment is not whether or not these prophets are right, but whether or not an election has been stolen, whether or not America is now under siege. That should be on the mind of all of us. That should occupy our thinking. That should galvanize our unity. That should energize all of our efforts. The real problems, we've got to save the United States of America. And when I saw that, I saw like that, there, there it is. That's the problem is that charismatics, you can disagree with me all you want, but, but the proof is overwhelming that for charismatics, it's really just not a big deal to put yeah. words in God's mouth that he did not say. It's yeah. not a big deal. That's, that's not the, the thing that keeps them up at night. Things that keeps them up at night apparently is, is how to save the country. Not, not that we have brought untold reproach upon the name of Christ to a watching world. That's not the big deal. Putting words in God's mouth, that's not a big deal. The big deal is saving the country through elections. Yeah. Yeah, they, they think so little of, of speaking for God and, and claiming that God is doing things that, that they do this just as a matter of course in all that they do. They, they have to have that the, the, the imprimatur of that stamp of let's say it the Lord, God's doing this. This is the work of God. Don't question it. And then when you get it wrong, it's just like kind of, okay, well, you know, so you got a few things wrong, but the most of the stuff we got right. And some of the other clips, clips that you'll play from Michael Brown, he does the same thing with that, you know, is the, these guys get this, this, and this right. So, so what with the vast majority, this 90% of this garbage that they are just unloading into the, into the cultural mainstream of Christianity under the name of God, um, they have a desire to win people to Jesus or, you know, he's not selling his books for a profit or he's not making merchandise out of the gospel. You know, they just ignore this plethora of garbage for the sake of trying to find the few things that might be redeeming, uh, re redeeming elements of somebody's work or ministry. And, and then they hang, they let all the other stuff just, they hope that goes under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the only prophecies they ever get right are ones that are so general and vague that they could not get them right. You know, they're, they're known oh, yeah. for saying, Oh, there, God told me there's going to be a shaking in this country. There's going to be a shaking. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that could, what does that mean though? I mean, that, so anytime there's an earthquake somewhere, ah, see, there was a, there was an earthquake yeah. in California. There's the shaking, you know, or the stock market drops uh, 20%. Right. That's a shaking or the financial institutions are, are rocked with, you know, low interest rates or, or a, a bond market failure or something like that. That's a shaking. Yeah. Uh, a presidential upset, midterm upset in elections is a shaking. Right. Any, any of those things. Could Glenn be Youngkin winning the Virginia governor gubernatorial election. Yeah. That was a shakeup, wasn't it? That was a shaking. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, that's right. You can I Bengals beating the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. That was a shake. <laughs> exactly. Anything could fall into that category because it's so so unspecific, it's so general and vague that they can just read into it whatever they need in order to lend credibility to the prophecy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, uh, Jim, let's play the first clip, and this is when you make your entrance here. So, um, you're well. I'm just going to play it, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Here we go. Let's uh, let's go to the phones. We'll start in Sandpoint, Idaho. Jim, welcome to the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Thanks for having me on. You bet. 
So my question is that at the top of the program, you made mention of a critique that people outside of the charismatic movement would make concerning you teaching on the subject of discernment, but you really didn't answer that objection so much as you kind of presumed the legitimacy of the charismatic gifts before kind of dismissing it mm -hmm. uh, by simply saying that they would be making the same mistake that they would claim that you're making, correct? Well, well I, I was saying that they actually are the last ones that can raise that charge because of what they are rejecting. And then basically, rather than trying to defend myself, simply saying, hey, these are the principles on which I live, and let's talk about discernment. But I'm happy to answer any specific question you might have or anything you feel is legitimate in what the critics have said. Please go ahead. Well, as a critic of that position, I would say that you have given a lot of shade, in fact, shade to some of the worst and most egregious charismatics, charlatans, false prophets, and uh, hucksters that the charismatic movement has churned up in recent years, including Sid Roth and Benny Hinn and others just like it. And right. while citing Jim Jones, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so just a question for you. I was on Benny Hinn's show one time to get material out to the body. Uh, afterwards, said it was probably not the best choice because there was too much negative fact that came with it. Uh, I've written to him privately, urging him to change aspects of his ministry, and I've never defended any of his errors. So what's my what's my great sin and crime there? What what have I done that uh, going on the show in order to get a message out to his viewing audience that I felt was important that they hear with an open door to do it and never defending his doctrine, uh, critiquing it, writing to him privately, taking issue with things, especially with raising of finances, etc. So what how have I done what you you said I did? That's a very serious charge. But how have I done that, sir? Do you regard Benny Hinn as a brother? Do far you as, regard him as a brother? As far as I know, he's a brother, yes. Mm -hmm. From the time I spent with him, from his yeah, profession of faith, as far as I know, he's a brother. Mm -hmm. and, and you know you he's not. discern that Benny Hinn is a false teacher and a false prophet? So you know, if he was to die right now, hang on, hang on. You know for a fact that if he was to die right now, he's going to hell, Correct. I can only judge by his fruit. I, I asked you a question. I asked you a question. Of, you are saying dogmatically. Well, yes, say that. Yes. Okay, so that's where you're yeah. in very serious error, Jim. I have no problem saying that. Yeah, well, that's where you no. really need to grow in discernment because you have no right whatsoever to make that statement. And there are believers who have made profit off the gospel and repented of it and said that was error, as Benny Hinn has done in recent years. Okay. Here you go. All right, Jim. So, so there's there's a, a several things we need to unpack there. I'll I'll let you start and give your initial impressions, and um, and then we'll drill down a little more specifically. Yeah, you'll notice at the beginning that um, I, I pointed out the fact that at the at the top of his program, he raised that possible objection that I did raise, and I was preparing to raise it, and he raised it right out the gate, and that gave me my entry. Um, you know, he would say they have no grounds to accuse me of not having discernment when they refuse to see all of the genuine works of the Spirit of God around the world that happen in the charismatic movement. And again, I would just point out to the viewer that this is called begging the question. You're assuming the very thing you're trying to prove. He has to assume that these are genuine works of the Spirit of God in order to say of us that we are missing them. Because if they're not genuine works of the Spirit of God, then we're not missing anything. In fact, we are doing the Lord's work by pointing out that these are frauds and hucksters. So he doesn't even answer that objection. It's almost like he, he knows that that objection is going to be raised against him, that he does not have discernment. And he just says, well, well, they don't have it either. 
That's his answer. They don't have it either. And and they, they don't have it either. I'm just assuming that, that this is true because they're missing it. Right. So that, that's the bogus, that's the bogus line that he takes in that. Um, he did, he did mention that he raised some critiques about, uh, about Benny Hinn's ministry to Benny Hinn in writing, not on the program, but privately he raised some concerns that he had about what he said, raising finances, raising money as if the problem with Benny Hinn is the way he conducts car washes on Saturdays down at the local mall to raise money for his ministry. And that's not, that's not our concern. Our, our concern is, is that he is fleecing the desperate, the, the, the destitute, the widows, the poor. Um, nice. And he's doing so knowing that he is a fraud, knowing that he is a liar. He, he knows that he is intentionally lying to these people. Benny Hinn has to be in a position where he knows that what he's doing is not genuine miracles. And yet he continues to do it probably because he believes that what he is doing is the work of God in the preaching and what he's doing. This is all he's ever known. So I think that Benny Hinn thinks he's doing the Lord's work while he knows that he's lying to people. Yeah. That would be my assessment of Benny Hinn. And so would I say that he's going to hell? Yes. I would say that if he does not repent, he's going to hell. I'm not claiming the ability to look into his heart, which is what, you know, when Michael Brown first asked me, are you, are you saying that if you were to die today, he would go to hell? I stuttered about a little bit because I was trying to think of, okay, what is his next question that he's going to be asking? If I answer yes uh-huh. to this, what's the, what's the next, what's the next, is, is he giving me rope so that I can make a noose to hang myself? You know, what is he going to right. throw that rope? What branch is he going to try and hang me from? Right. Um, and so that's why I said, I'm judging his fruit. And I'm, what I'm trying to get into is I'm not judging his heart. I don't, I'm not saying that I can read Benny Hinn's heart, but I can read his fruit. And That's based right. upon his fruit, I'm, I'm able to assess that the tree itself is bad. And if the tree itself is bad, then, then yes, I would say that from everything I can see, unable to read his heart, yes, he is a false teacher. And thus, he would go to hell if he died today. Yes, exactly. And Michael Brown said in that clip that, um, that Benny Hinn has repented of these things. Well, I did a video on my YouTube channel some time ago, a year or so ago. Uh, examining whether or not he has repented. Benny Hinn made big news a couple of years ago when he said that he is uh, realized that uh, telling people to sow a thousand dollar seed in his ministry so they can reap a harvest uh, that now disgusts him. He's done it in the past. And he says, if I ever hear that again, I'm gonna, he said, I think I'm going to throw up. And so he's, he repented quote unquote, made big news. Fact of the matter is Benny Hinn has not repented of anything he is still doing the exact same things that he has been doing for the last 40 plus years. Yeah. He is still. And see, Michael Brown assumes that that's the work of God. And so uh, the fact that Benny Hinn sort of felt a little bit of remorse over, you know, mischaracterizing the sow a seed, reap a harvest uh, equation to him, Michael Brown can say, oh, okay, well, see there, there you go. There's evidence. He's a brother. And then he just turns a blind eye to everything else that Benny Hinn says and does. Right. And and continues to whitewash uh, the tomb and and try and make him look like he is a brother. Yeah, the only thing that Benny Hinn has changed and not repented of, but changed, is that uh, I don't think he's using the the exact dollar amount anymore, thousand dollars. But up until this very day, he is still telling people sow a seed, reap a harvest, give me money, God will heal you. He's he's doing that consistently. Yeah, I mean, it, consistently he's doing that. Uh, he's still giving, he's still airing false miracles, fake miracles. I went to a Benny Hinn crusade after he, after he made this so-called repentance public. In fact, Josh Comstock and I both went to it, 
and uh, and we went in there and did some recording and proved that he's airing fake miracles. So he's not repented of anything. Um, I don't want to get too much on the soapbox here, but I've told folks, if you want to know whether or not Benny Hinn has repented, here's what repentance would look like. Benny Hinn and Todd White and all these others, they would come out and they would say, I've been deceiving you for all these years. All these times I've claimed that God has spoken to me. He has not spoken to me. I have been airing fake miracles, knowingly so. I have been deceiving you. I've been teaching heresy. I've been putting words in God's mouth that he did not say. I have exploited the poor, the sick, the desperate, and the widows for personal financial gain. I've brought reproach upon Christ. I now realize that I'm not qualified, biblically qualified, to be a teacher. And so I'm going to shut down my ministry, liquidate everything it's got, give every cent the ministry has to doctrinally sound ministries or churches. And I'm going to join a doctrinally sound church led by biblically qualified elders. I'm going to sit in the pew. My place is in front of the pulpit, not behind it. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to learn. That's what repentance would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yep, I do. You'll notice also in that uh, clip that you just played that Michael Brown answered my objection by saying, look, I have gone on Benny Hinn's ministry, but what is my sin in going on? How can you point sin in me and just going on this program? Right. That was not my that was not my charge. That's not your charge. Uh, I, I've asked you I asked you before the program, would you go to the Vatican and preach? Yeah. Sure would. And yeah, and so, and so would I. I would actually, I would actually pay my own cost to go to the Vatican and preach. Absolutely. But I would go there and I would call them out of their false doctrine. My sin would not be in going to the Vatican on that venue. My sin would be being silent as to the false doctrines that are present there. Go. So d- Michael Michael Brown's sin or his 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 um, his great failing was not going on Benny Hinn's program. You would go on right. Benny Hinn's program. Absolutely. I would go on Benny Hinn's program. But the the great sin is that he goes on that program and says nothing about the false prophecies, the unscrupulous uh, practices, the the lies, the fake healings, the false testimonies, and all the nonsense that Benny Hinn puts uh, puts out there. His great sin was that he went and he lent his credibility to Benny Hinn, and he didn't call out right. Benny Hinn because he see the truth is he does not believe that Benny Hinn is a false prophet. And he does right. not believe that what Benny Hinn is doing is sinful and egregious and wrong and disqualifying from ministry. And, and our point right. is that if you cannot see that Benny Hinn is not qualified to be in ministry, you should not be using your program to teach anyone about discernment because you are the least qualified to do so. Because you cannot even discern who is qualified to be in ministry and who is not. Right. That is our objection. Yeah. I've said often, if, if Benny Hinn is not a false prophet and false teacher— then the term has no meaning. No, there are, there are none. Yeah. And if Sid Roth is not a charlatan, then there are no charlatans. Yep, that's right. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that now. Now, so okay, so we accuse him of uh, Michael Brown of being in sin in in going on Benny Hinn's program. He obviously disagrees, but we're not going to just say, yeah, we believe that sin. Let's back it up from Scripture. Um, wh- what does the Bible have to say about um, <laughs> associations with? False teachers, false prophets. Can yeah. we can we go on their program? Um, can we have fellowship with them? Uh, or are we? Or is there some is there some obscure scripture somewhere that seems to indicate that we're we're kind of supposed to mark and avoid? I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I can't really remember Paul calling out guys to Timothy. I and 
I think it prob- Paul probably assumed that Hymenaeus and Alexander were believers and, and probably worthy of being elders in uh, in the church. Yeah. And uh, Alexander the coppersmith, I mean, Paul might have privately written to him expressing some concerns about his fundraising techniques, but probably was fine with uh, Alexander the coppersmith being an elder in the church. Diotrephes, yeah. probably a good man, really no problems with him at all. Uh, yeah. A brother, I'm sure there are people in the church at Ephesus that John was writing to that would have, um, you know, shared some office space with Diotrephes and probably testified that he had a, a, a heart for soul winning and all that good stuff. So I, I'm at a loss really to come up with anything in scripture that says what we should do. I'm sure that the, the texts that talk about marking those who cause divisions among us and calling out false teacher, refu- refuting those who contradict an elder being uh, able to do so yeah. and to guard your, to guard your doctrine carefully. And first Timothy, um, you know, to, to instruct men not to teach false doctrines. Um, those probably have nothing to do with Benny Hinn, Todd White, Todd Bentley. Yeah. Uh, Sid Roth. Exposing nope. the evil deeds of Unfruitful darkness. Unfruitful deeds yeah. of darkness. Yeah. No. Yeah. Ephesians 511. That's, no, that's, it's got to be some other context that that would be appropriate, but certainly not this one. Not these. Yeah. Okay, so Jim, I'm going to play this next clip, and uh, this is when you bring up or the name of Sid Roth is is brought up, and y'all discuss Sid Roth. So let's let's uh, I'm going to play this, and then we can discuss. As far as I know, he's your brother. But see, here here's the big error. This is the massive blind spot, and may God help you with this, Jim. The the extreme judgmentalism that would that would damn someone to hell based on no personal knowledge of that person's walk. Or for example, Sid Roth. Do you believe if Sid Roth was to die right now, he'd go to hell? Oh, I do. I have no reason to believe that he is in any way a genuine believer. Yes. He is the looniest of the looniest uh, of charismatic charlatans and hucksters. Right. right. So when you, when you slander a brother, calling him a charlatan and a huckster. No, 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 you're presuming. No, Jim, Jim, hang on, Jim, don't interrupt me. Jim, 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 don't interrupt me. Okay. Thank you. Okay. When you slander a brother, I've known Sid since the 1980s. I've had family members that have worked side by side with him. He's neither a charlatan nor a huckster. He has not accumulated personal wealth through the gospel. Okay. All right, Jim. So I'm gonna, I'm just going to pause this on a couple of occasions as we're going through here, but I want to pause it right there. So going back to Benny Hinn, one of Michael Brown's um, excuses for going on his program was at the time he said, I wasn't aware of Benny Hinn and what he taught. I wasn't aware of all of the controversies and the false prophecies and the fake miracles and all the, never mind all the exposés that secular news media have done against him. And, and, uh, you know, he wasn't aware of all of this stuff, but, uh, which is, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. It's in the same way, Justin, it's in the same way that I'm unaware of anything going on around me right now. Not only because I, I don't want to be, but because I physically make myself unable to be. And that's what Michael Brown has done with the charismatic movement. Hear no evil, see no evil. Right. And speak right. no discernment. That Those yeah. are his three. I mean, it's, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no discernment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's not like Benny Hinn or some Johnny come lately. I mean, he's been around, as I said, for 40 years. But With a um, long track record. More. And he's the elephant. Yeah. And he's the elephant in your charismatic living room. And how can you not be aware of what he has right. done? Yeah, be like working at Microsoft and uh, not knowing anything about computers. But anyway, all right. But he can't 
He can't say that about Sid Roth. And we're going to talk about Sid Roth now. So we just heard him say that he has been good, close, personal friends with Sid Roth. He shared office space with him. In fact, he has known Sid Roth now for 38 years. I'm with my good friend, Dr. Michael Brown. Mike, how long have we known each other? We became friends in 1984. That's, that's a long time, whatever that 33 is. 33 years. 33 years. Okay, 30. So going on four decades, he's known Sid Roth, vouches for him. So we want, I want to establish that, that he cannot claim ignorance with Sid Roth like he did with Benny Hinn. So let's continue. He does not use the gospel for personal gain. I don't agree with certain guests that he has on. I would differ with him on different points, but I have walked with him and seen his heart for the Lord for decades. He lives a godly life. I have never met a person in America who is more zealous to win people to Jesus, who will call me with biblical questions to make sure that fundamentals are right on. So when you make a judgment, not based on scripture, but based on your perception, and you think that you have the right to damn someone to hell, that's very serious. And that that is such an extraordinary blind spot to me that you and, and other hypercritics don't see. That, 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 that grieves me terribly. Here's someone I've known firsthand, shared office space with in the 80s, and I've known for decades, and in terms of his personal life, has never, never moved a single inch from wanting to glorify God, demonstrate his power, and win people to the Lord, especially Jewish people. Yeah, there are guests he has on I'd never have on my show and differences I have over that. But that, that doesn't make me question whether he's saved or not. But when you call him a charlatan and a huckster, right? He's not. He's neither. I, I, I know him. I know his staff. I know his team. He's neither of this. Now, you may say he, he has crazy guests on. I think he believes crazy things. But to call him a charlatan and a huckster, you have no knowledge or evidence of that. Doesn't it concern you to speak such words like that and to... To, to judge others in such a severe way? Does, does that trouble you at all? Does that give you pause for thought? Okay, Jim. So does that, does it trouble you to say, and I would say the same thing, that Sid Roth is not a believer. We call him a huckster. We call him a charlatan. Um, and, and we say that he's not a believer. We have no evidence based on, on fruit. We have no evidence that this man is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Does that, does that bother you? No, it doesn't. I stand by the, I would stand by the charge. Um, and, and one of the things that Michael Brown is doing, and I hope that people who are watching this can pick up the subtle little rhetorical ploy that he's using. When you and I discern that somebody is teaching false doctrine or uttering false prophecies, or that they are blaspheming God with what they do and what they teach and their doctrine and we say, I have no reason to believe this person is a believer. There's no fruit, nothing, no evidence. And I do believe that if Sid Roth were to die today, he would go to hell. I think he's a liar and a fraud. Mm-hmm. So when I say that, then then what Michael Brown comes back with is um, you're willing, you hypercritical people are willing to damn someone to hell. I, I don't do any damning of anybody in hell. That's not my, right. that's not my role. It's not my prerogative. Right. I, I am discerning. I'm, I'm not damning anybody. I'm discerning. And he is unwilling right. to discern. He's unwilling to say that any of these people are false teachers or false prophets. I, I would challenge Michael Brown, point out, give me, give me a list of, say, a dozen false teachers within evangelicalism. Just give me a, a list of a dozen false teachers. Surely 
Christianity, I mean, I, I bet you in the early church in the city of, in, just in the nation of Israel, you could come up with 12 false teachers. Yeah. I bet Paul could have done that, right? Yeah. So now that this, the gospel has spread around the world and we have people within evangelicalism on TBN, on all of these networks, give me a list of 12 people that you would consider to be a false teacher. Yeah. And if you can't do that, then you have no discernment. Tell me who it is that you're going to be warning people against. Scripture warns about false teachers. So can you not point to anybody today that anybody should right. be concerned about that is a false teacher? Right. And so when, when we exercise discernment, he, he says we're willing to damn people to hell. I'm, I'm not doing any damning. I am willing to discern, and I am willing to say that there's nothing in Sid Roth's life that would give me evidence to believe that he is a believer. Now, I don't know him personally. I've never met him. I didn't share office space with him. I don't know his staff, but I don't need to. I see the direct that he puts on television, and I see the false claims that he makes and the way that he blasphemes Jesus. Yes. That's evidence enough. That's right. And you're right. There's, there's literally no one of whom I am aware that Michael Brown would call a false teacher. Maybe he would, you and me, I don't know. But uh, within the charismatic movement, I don't know if well, see, anybody. Then we have to come back and say, why are you willing to damn me to hell? Just because I want to test all things according to scripture. Who are you? To, uh, aren't you being so hypercritical that you would damn Justin and I to hell? Right. Exactly. Right. So would he question that you and I are believers? And, he, and, and the minute we begin to question whether somebody is a believer based upon the blasphemous things they say about Jesus and about God and about the Holy Spirit, he says, we're just damning people to hell. And that's hypercritical. And we shouldn't do that. And, and, and God should help me with that in my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, a couple of points that, that Brown made, he said that he's never met anyone who is more zealous to win people to Jesus. I want to engage that a little bit because I have watched dozens and dozens and dozens of Sid Roth programs. The title of it is It's Supernatural. Well over a hundred, I'm sure. I would be hard pressed to give you five. I'm, I'm not, and that's being generous. I'm not even sure I could point to five programs in which I have heard him even give the basics of the gospel. I'm talking the ABC vacation Bible school, first grade vacation VBS kind of a gospel. Uh, I have heard it a couple of times, but it is rare. It is exceedingly rare. I can honestly say I'm very confident in saying I have never heard him talk about repentance. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't used the word somewhere, but as far as like giving a, a a biblical treatment of what repentance is or justification by faith, um, never. Yeah, you are probably more likely to find somebody on the Sid Roth program who claims to be a leprechaun who rides a unicorn to heaven <laughs> once a week than you are to hear him present the gospel. Oh, oh, oh! But wait, <laughs> but wait. <laughs> there's more. There's more. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm going to run through a few of these, but uh, but one program I haven't seen a leprechaun specifically, but he does have a a program. That's, give it give it a month or so. Give it a month, yeah, yeah. And, and give him time. Um, he talks about a um, one of the titles of his programs is something like uh, "I saw a shape shifting witch doctor." You know, and this witch doctor was in front of this one of his guests that he had on his program, and and uh, it's he more he unbelievable than the leprechaun. Yeah, right, right. As as if that's any better, you know. I what did you do about? I mean, what do you for for instance? Let me give you an example. He's talking to a witch doctor, and before his very eyes, 
the now, now you, you most of you you don't have a clue about what I'm ready to tell you. You've never it's never even crossed your radar. He really what did he turn into? First time it was a bat. Big. But you you actually saw him and there was a man. Yeah. Turned the flashlight on to himself and went into a creature. I saw that with my eyes, yes, sir. I mean, if you're going to see a shape, oh, I was being back. generous. I, I was being generous and, and and far too orthodox by suggesting a leprechaun. Right. <laughs> no, and and in the horse thing, you said a, lepre, a leprechaun that rides a horse. Okay, one of his recent programs, uh, the title of it is "What This Horse Told Me in Heaven Will Melt Your Heart." So apparently, Mister Ed is in heaven. You know, <laughs> so talking to a fool. Oh, that's silly. What do you mean, silly? I mean, yeah. it, it and, and we laugh at that. Let me, here's a few titles. Okay. Yeah. What this horse told me in heaven will melt. All of these are within the last, I think all of them are within, just within the last year. Uh, God said, spit on her tongue. Uh, secrets to unlock wealth from the courts of heaven. So there's your prosperity. Uh, another one. How to stop coronavirus in its tracks. Well, that didn't work out so well. Uh, Jesus sliced me open. Jesus sliced her open. I saw Skittles dropping from heaven. Uh, I walked into Jesus' eyes. So this particular guest is apparently walking into Jesus' eyeballs in heaven. Um, another lady. Jesus taught me the warrior's dance in heaven. I saw demons guarding a heavenly treasure room. Now, I'm not a smart man, but what in the world are <laughs> demons doing in heaven guarding a treasure room? I mean, honestly, this is this is lunacy. Um, yeah. And so, so Michael Brown, my question then would be: so far, just in those that lineup of titles, you have somebody who is giving who is giving airtime to people who are claiming that Jesus is a dance instructor. There are talking horses in heaven. There are demons guarding the wealth in heaven, the treasure room. You have the prosperity gospel, the very thing you say must concern you with, with Benny Hinn. You had that being promoted on the Sid Roth program. You have all these people who claim the most absurd lunacy things that even in the age of miracles in the first century, none of this stuff was happening with the apostles. And yet these are just, these are soccer moms and these are, basement bloggers and these are housewives and these are doctors and engineers and people having these experiences. He's promoting this stuff as if it is true. So right. Michael Brown, the question then is, is this stuff true or not? Now, Michael Brown would say, well, some of the things, some of the guests I might disagree with, some of them might concern me. Your buddy Sid Roth is promoting this stuff as gospel truth, right. as, ver as, as, as verified testimony of things that are actually happening. Yep. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Sid Roth does not sit there and critique these people's experiences or their claims oh. or even suggest in any way that they might be false or even suspect. Correct. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely correct. In fact, I've told people, and, and this might be slightly hyperbolic, but not much. But I tell people if if um, if Sid Roth did not know who I was, and I know that he does because I, in one of his programs, he he was talking about me without naming me, but I know he was talking about me. But anyway, 
if he didn't know who I was, I guarantee you, I could call up Sid Roth's program network and say, you know, I was just abducted on a UFO and Elvis was flying the UFO. Bigfoot was on there, Sasquatch, Jimmy Hoffa. And they, they put me on this UFO and they flew me into the, through the pearly gates of heaven and gave me a personal tour, a guided tour of heaven. I guarantee you, if Sid Roth did not know who I was, he would have me on his program the very next week. I, I mean, and not it, to expose you as a fraud or a liar. He would have you on there to right. show that this is the work of God. So Sid Roth believes these things are genuine works of God, and he promotes them as such. Now, if they're not genuine works of God, then he's a liar. And what do we call liars? We call them charlatans and hucksters and frauds. That's so right. if these things are happening, Michael Brown, if these things are happening, then you can't critique any of it. If they're not happening, then your good buddy, whom you claim to know really well, who has a heart for the Lord, who's just as honest as the day is long, he is lying. Yep. So then I want to know, Michael Brown, which one of those which one of those programs do you say is a lie? And if none of them, then all of them must be true. And if you think yep. that all of those things are true, you should be having these same guests on your program. And if you can't discern yeah. what's true and what's false, then what are you doing telling other people how to deepen their discernment? Right. Exactly. If, if someone were to hold a gun to my head and say, Justin, I want you to come up with something off the top of your head that is crazier and linear than the previous guest on It's Supernatural with Sid Roth, I'd say, pull the trigger. I got nothing. I, I, I mean, it, it is, it's that bad. Um, and Brown says, and he's so emphatic that he's not a huckster. Another thumbnail, and I'll put up a shot here. Uh, click here for your healing. So Sid Roth knows full well that the majority of people watching him have something wrong with their bodies. I mean, almost all of us have something wrong. Yeah. And so they're at home and they're thinking that his guest who claimed to hear God speak to them as clearly as you are hearing me and our guests are hearing us speak right now, these people who shuttle back and forth between heaven and earth, they are, they are, they are speaking on divine authority. I mean, they make what Paul experienced being caught up into the third heaven, St. Corinthians 12, they make that look like child's play. I mean, they shuttle back and forth to heaven. Some, some of them daily. And so they're, they're in the throne room of God. In fact, there's another one um, that this guy claims he goes and eavesdrops on conversations between the amongst the Trinity, amongst the Trinity. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to my world where it's naturally supernatural. Wait till you hear this. My guest gets caught up into the heavenlies and eavesdrops on conversations between Jesus and Father God. Yeah, eavesdrops, mind you. Think think about the implications of that. So anyway, so this lady, uh, Kennedy, uh, Patricia Kennedy. So click here for your healing. Here's okay. All that to say, this is this is why we one of the reasons we call him a huckster and a charlatan. Every single guest that he has on his program, it, it is an infomercial. Okay. All of his guests that he has, this it's a 30-minute infomercial hawking their latest book, their latest CD set, their latest DVD, how to hear from God, how to 
you know, unlock the treasure room of heaven, click here for your healing. And it's all yours for the low, low price of $39.95 or whatever it is. Dr. Sandra Kennedy has spent 40 plus years teaching on healing. As far as I'm concerned, without the teaching, percentage-wise, few people get healed. But she is the best teacher on healing that I know. And now she has a new book on the proven difference makers when it comes to receiving your healing. Call now and get Sandra Kennedy's brand new anointed book, Healing Treasures from the Word of God, and her powerful three-part audio CD teaching series, Difference Makers, Supernatural Healing Truths. It's exclusive for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9748. Dr. Sandra Kennedy is a powerful yet practical Bible teacher who has been training thousands of believers for decades on how to activate God's Word to receive their healing. Through Sandra Kennedy's book, you will understand that you have instant access to the supernatural source of God's healing power in His Word. Discover powerful healing promises contained in nearly every book of the Bible. Learn how to apply practical teaching and anointed commentary from Sandra Kennedy on each healing promise in Scripture. Transform the way you read the Bible and experience it as the miracle book. Pray to receive your own healing by using the powerful Scripture-based prayer for healing featured in this book. Listening requires uh, that you do something, a response. Hearing does not. If you really hear what God says in His Word, you really grab hold to the Word of God. All those precious treasures, those nuggets that are in the Word of God pertaining to healing. And once you get it on the inside, once you got it in your knower, honey, you got it. You will also receive Sandra Kennedy's powerful three-part audio CD teaching series, Difference Makers, Supernatural Healing Truths. As you immerse yourself in this audio CD series, get ready to break out of the bondage of disease and into the freedom of abundant life. Through this teaching series, you will understand how to access God's supernatural power, healing, and life through God's Word. Discover the four absolutes that spiritual giants of the past held on to, plus so much more. If ever there has been a time for you to step out and believe God, it is now. Signs, wonders, and miracles. These are the days that we are living in. It is the most exciting time of your life. Believe your God. He will be there for you. You will not be disappointed. What a God we serve. Don't miss out on getting Sandra Kennedy's brand new anointed book, Healing Treasures from the Word of God, and her powerful three-part audio CD teaching series, Difference Makers, Supernatural Healing Truths. It's exclusive for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9748. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9748 or log on to sidroth.org. Call or write today. So they are making merchandise out of sick people, poor people, desperate people, widows. They're doing, Sid Roth is doing the exact same thing Benny Hinn is, just packaged a little bit differently. So he is, he is hawking all this stuff. He's selling this stuff. And 
certain percentage of that goes to his guests and certain percentage of it comes into it's supernatural. So um, I don't know, Jim, sounds, sounds like a huckster to me. It does. And and you take that list of, of uh, topic titles that you just read here a bit ago. And my question to Michael Brown would be which ones of those are true and which ones of those are false. And if you can't tell me which ones are true and which ones are false, what do you, why are you teaching anybody about discernment? My guest went to heaven and had the warrior's dance downloaded into her spirit. It's a totally different paradigm and revelation on defeating the devil. Are you ready to defeat the devil? I believe it's going to release supernatural joy and miracles. And maybe Anna will see a few body parts for you. Be right back. Did you ever wonder where God was when you experienced disappointments, offenses, grief, and loss? Is there a way to obtain every blessing and promise that God has for you? Call now and get Anna Werner's brand new book, The Warrior's Dance, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching series, The Warrior's Victory. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9668. Anna Werner's brand new book, The Warrior's Dance, is a seer's guide to victorious spiritual warfare. Discover how to recognize telltale signs of demonic operation. Partner with the Holy Spirit to demolish demonic strongholds. Move in nine different levels of spiritual warfare that will propel you into victory over every attack of the enemy. Change your position from past failure into present victory. Engage in spiritual warfare from the place of victory instead of being hyper-focused on the devil, demons, and darkness. The book includes powerful prayers to break free from generational curses, get free from emotional controls, obtain a godly perspective, enter into a rest from controlling spirits, Obtain unshakable faith. You will also receive Anna Werner's anointed three-part audio CD teaching series, The Warrior's Victory. This series will help you overcome doubt, fear, and enter into a new season of birthing the next level of fulfillment and God's blessings for your life. You will discover the power of praise and worship to help shift your focus from the schemes of the enemy onto Jesus. Usher in the powerful presence of God's glory. Shift the atmosphere so the enemy will flee. Cause your heart to connect with the Heavenly Father in a more powerful way powerful way. Receive special words of knowledge and prayer by Anna as she casts out fear and anxiety. Prays for you to recover from a relational breakdown. Commands the spirit of oppression to lift off of you. Prays for you to begin to hear the voice of God with clarity. Don't miss out on getting Anna Werner's brand new book, The Warrior's Dance, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching series, The Warrior's Victory. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9668. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9668 or log on to SidRoth.org. Call or write today. Yeah, yeah. And and these are not isolated. I don't have to go on a deep dive to find these. I mean, they're just... No, that's that's all over. This is this is all this is par place. for the course with Sid Ross. This is his shtick that yeah. he that that he does. He's the he's the sham wow guy in on Christian television. <laughs> it's a, uh, can I use that? Can I quote that? Yeah, you can use it if you want. <laughs> he's TBN's sham wow guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the thing is that <laughs> people watch him and people with discernment say, "Wow, that's a sham." 
Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. very good, man. You're pretty quick on your feet, Jim. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's hard not to laugh at this stuff, but but it is very, very serious because not only are people being exploited, and these charlatans on TV, these televangelists, a lot of their money comes from poor people, sick people that are desperate to be healed. And yeah, they'll click here for their healing and they'll send in their 40 bucks or whatever to get the the latest DVD set from they're exploiting people. They're enriching themselves. That's what hucksters do. That's what charlatans do. If, okay. So we heard Michael Brown say that Sid Roth absolutely believes everything on his program, every guest on his program he has, he believes in it. Okay. Well, if you believe that Jesus is showing up physically at the foot of your bed, playing a saxophone, no, I'm not making that up. That's Kevin Zadai, one of his guests. Because this particular one he had was a soprano sax and he had this sax in in his hands and he started to play it over me, you know, because he sings songs of deliverance over us. And is walking into Jesus's eyeballs and and you go to heaven and, and you have horses talking to you. What does that say about Sid Roth and his level of yeah. discernment? Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. What are you doing on your, you should be calling your buddy Sid Roth and saying, Hey, let me teach you how to deepen your discernment. Yeah. Right. And to be a teacher. Um, I mean, one of the requirements to be a teacher is not to be a new convert. Now, granted that's specifically talking about elders, but if you're not a mature believer, if you don't have a, a healthy grasp of theology and doctrine and hermeneutics and how to rightly divide the word of truth, and you've got no business calling yourself a Christian and having a Christian, or not, not calling yourself, you have no business being in Christian ministry, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I would say that um, Michael Brown is... He just has no he just has no platform to tell, teach anybody about discernment, and that was the whole point of of my call was simply right. to point out that you have no ability yourself to discern truth from error. Right. And my call demonstrated that I think for anybody who had ears to hear it. Yeah. Oh, it did. It did. I thought you did a great job. And um, Jim, one of, you've heard me say this before, but one of the great ironies, and this is why you and I can can be confident in saying that these men like Benny Hinn, Sid Roth, and Kenneth Copeland, that's someone else that Michael Brown believes is a brother in Christ. But the reason who has uttered some of the most blood-curdling heresies and blasphemies you could ever imagine, but the reason that you and I, here's the great irony, we can say that they're unregenerate because as, as the Word of Faith folks, the Charismatics, you know, all these people we've been talking about, they would look at you, they would look at me and people who share our theological position. They would say, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. To the contrary, as a cessationist, I cede no ground to charismatics in my doctrine and theology of the Holy Spirit of God. I cede no ground to them because I do not believe that someone can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God who convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment, be indwelt by him, teach the things they teach, utter the false prophecies that they utter, bring the reproach upon the name of Christ that they bring, exploit the people that they exploit, and do this for years and years and years, many of them for decades, and feel no conviction. Yeah. 
if they were really indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, then the Holy Spirit of God would drop them to their knees under such heavy conviction. And yet, apparently there is none because they keep doing the same thing year after year after year after year. Yeah. So it's... It's not people like you and me who have a low view of the Holy Spirit. I would say it is, it is those folks who have a low view of the Holy Spirit of God, not us. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Michael Brown is missing the work of the Spirit of God because he is, yes. he is seeing all this charismatic stuff, and he thinks that that is the work of the Spirit of God. And I would say the work of the Spirit of God would be what you and I see going on in solid churches each and every week, men and women who share our theological stripe of cessationists who are being sanctified and growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ, loving the brethren, serving in their local church. Michael Brown wants to see all the spectacular, it's supernatural stuff that Sid Roth does as the work of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> and I say, I, I would be willing to bet my life on the fact that the Spirit of God is more involved and at work in our church through the word of God, yes. then he is involved in any studio audience that Sid Roth has ever had and any of the lives of any of the people that's been on Sid Roth's program. Yes. Because I would argue that's not the work of the spirit of God at all. And fundamentally that is our disagreement is what we think the spirit of God does and what the marks of the work of the spirit of God are. So, yeah, I, I don't think we're missing the spirit of God at all. I see it every Sunday. I saw it yesterday in, in just as we gather together to worship with the people of God here in our local fellowship. I see it weekly. I see it daily in the lives of people. I know what the work of the spirit of God looks like, and it doesn't look like people getting on and claiming that they went to heaven and Jesus taught them how to do the warrior's dance. Exactly. Exactly. Amen to that. Well, I want to I want to play one final clip from this, and this is actually he said this before you came on, but it is so illustrative, I think, and so revealing as to one of the fundamental problems that you and I both recognize in this movement. Listen to what he says here as he's talking about Todd Bentley and the Lakeland revival that that burst onto the scene in 2008. I myself went to a couple of those uh, meetings, not for edification, but for research. And uh, I, I saw that debacle with my own two eyes. And Todd Bentley, for those of us, or for those who are watching and may not know, he is one of the most. Oh, I mean, if you can't tell that fa- that Todd Bentley is a false teacher, then you should not be allowed outside of the home without adult supervision. This is a man who claims that God told him to kick an elderly woman in the face with his biker boot. This is a man who actually did kick or knee rather uh, a man with stage four colon cancer in the gut. I saw that with my own eyes. I was there and I saw it. Uh, this is a man who is honestly, I, I genuinely believe is demon possessed. I mean, that Todd Bentley is that dark, that dark. Um, yeah. So anyway, but listen to, listen to what Brown says. This is very, very uh, instructive and illuminating. Back in 2008, when what was known as the Lakeland Revival began, I was excited to hear reports from people that I knew about the presence of God coming in extraordinary ways in worship. I was excited to hear about people being touched. I was very concerned when I heard the main vessel, the main man preaching was Todd Bentley, because years earlier, I had been involved with his board with some issues of of sin in his life because of which he He had stepped down for a season. 
and I had concerns in terms of his scriptural foundations and his moral foundations. But I also felt from the Lord, just don't touch this. Don't get involved. But I did journal. This is an accident waiting to happen. Okay. All right. So, Jim, Michael Brown says that he had been involved with Todd Bentley's board before the Lakeland Revival. He already had serious concerns with his doctrine uh, and with his moral standing, shall we say. Well, then 2008 happened. Lakeland exploded onto the scene. And the entire time this Lakeland revival is going on, Todd Bentley is a drunk. He's a slobbering drunk. He is having an affair with a female member of his staff. He was married at the time, had kids. And uh, when all of this was exposed, and it was, rather than repent and go back to his wife and children, he left her, divorced her, and who his wife was handicapped, probably didn't look real good for a faith healer to be married to a handicapped woman, but um, divorced her and married this other woman, Jessica, or Jessica with whom he was having an affair and, and now is married to her. So, um, I mean, it was a, a, an absolute debacle. So Michael Brown, by his own admission, already had concerns about his theology and his morality. And yet he concerns. felt just a, just concerns, just a yeah. few. Yeah. Few minor a, things. a few kind of make me a little suspicious, right? Yeah, some peripheral things. Uh, <laughs> so he, he said that he he felt from the Lord not to say anything. He felt from the Lord not to say anything. Full stop. Full stop. We have scripture after scripture after scripture telling us how to handle such situations. Mark and avoid. We have qualifications for elders. There to be a husband of one wife, above reproach, not a drunkard, not given to greed. I mean, you look at every biblical criterion for an elder, for someone who is to be in ministry. Todd Bentley didn't meet any of them, other than he was a male. I guess he was the right gender, but other than that, he met meets and never has met any of those requirements. But yet. And so we're to expose the evil deeds of darkness. First uh, Corinthians five eleven. If anyone is a sexual, a sexually immoral reviler, you know, with such a one, not even to eat. I mean, we have scripture after scripture after scripture telling us how to do what to do in these situations. And yet, Michael Brown felt from the Lord not to say anything. Take it away. Your thoughts. That that is the that is in a nutshell the whole problem with the charismatic movement and people who believe that they hear from God. Their feelings, their intuition, their sentiment, whatever it comes into their mind, into their heart, however their emotions strike them that day, it trumps scripture. Right. So he he journaled that there are problems. This is a disaster waiting to happen, right? But here but here's the problem. It was Michael Brown assumed that all that stuff that was happening was the work of God. And if all of that is the work of God. Then the person at the middle of that, who is obviously fundamentally unqualified and is a false teacher, a liar, and a huckster, and a charlatan, and a fraud, we can say all of that again. The person at the center of that, who was eminently disqualified from it, even though Michael Brown in the back of his head knows that something is wrong, he can't bring himself to say that anything is wrong. He cannot exercise discernment in that situation to be able to say, that person is a liar, a fraud. 
He's morally disqualified. Therefore, this is not a work of God. Instead, he looks at all this stuff, assumes that it's a work of God, and therefore probably felt in his mind and his heart that he probably just shouldn't. The Lord doesn't want me to say anything about this. So, so you're telling me that the Lord gave you an impression to violate scripture and to then for, give an, an implicit endorsement to a false teacher and a man yes. who was making spiritual shipwreck of people's lives. And right. but go ahead and go on your program and teach us all about discernment. That makes no sense. No, it makes absolutely no sense. So his, his feelings trump scripture. Mm-hmm. All the directives we have in scripture to call these things out, mark and avoid, expose evil. None of the, that didn't matter. What mattered more was he felt from the Lord. Yeah. So, Justin, we could trace this back. He is unable to discern what the work of the Spirit of God is and is not. And because he is unable to discern what the Spirit is doing and what the Spirit is not doing, he is therefore unable to connect the dots and be able to call out a false teacher when one is clearly set in front of him. Yeah. He is unable to see the clear signs. And for that reason, then, he feels that he can't say anything about that teacher because he doesn't feel called to discern or to take any action one way or another. So yeah. he, he can't discern the work. He can't discern who's behind the work. He can't discern the qualifications. He can't discern what Scripture says concerning what he ought to do in that situation and call those people out and take a clear stand and how to, how to, how to, how to bring correction in any sense to those people. Right. And and that is why it becomes such a spiritual train wreck in the whole charismatic movement does. Yeah. He, he, assume, he does the same thing with Sid Roth. He cannot, he cannot discern what is the work of the spirit of God or what it isn't. Instead, he just says, there are some things that concern me. There are some guests I might disagree with, but he cannot say that those things are not the work of the spirit of God. And because he cannot discern that, he cannot discern that the guy who is shilling those blasphemies is not a genuine believer. Yeah. And, and so, Sid Roth marches on, Benny Hinn marches on, and, and yeah. the one alleged intellectual stalwart of the charismatic movement, Michael Brown, just closes his eyes and is, is willfully blind to what is going on in the movement. And he cannot even police yeah. the, the people who are, who are there making spiritual shipwreck of people's lives. Right. Yeah. And, and he would say, you, you saying that word police, because jogs on, he would, I've heard him say this before, it's not his job to police the charismatic movement. So he, he would say that. So I kind of want to preempt what I anticipate his response to be. Uh, we're not saying he should police the whole movement, but when you, when you yourself have direct one-on-one engagement relationship with association with endorsement of partnership with uh, some of the people that you do, yes, it is incumbent upon you to say things about that. He has had that with Benny Hinn. He has had that with Todd Bentley. He continues to have that with Sid Roth. And, um, you know, another point of irony is how much embarrassment would he have saved his own movement from if he had just followed the directives of Scripture with Todd Bentley? Because that 2008 thing in Lakeland, Florida, that Lakeland revival, it's been referred to as the charismatic day of infamy. Uh, it has brought untold reproach, deservedly so, um, on the charismatic movement. It's discredited in so many, so many ways. More significantly, though, and much more worrisome, is that it's brought untold reproach upon the name of Christ. But if he had just followed the directives of Scripture that we have in black and white, that he knows, think yeah. of all the embarrassment, and he would have saved his own movement. 
Yeah, and he may not want to police that movement. And really, you and I are not necessarily suggesting that he is the one who would police it. But if if we right. want to use that analogy of a police officer, a police officer would know what the law says, what the written text of the, the code says. He would see a violation and he would arrest and stop and seize and detain and incarcerate that person. OK, that's yeah. not Michael job, Michael Brown's job or, or uh, duty. OK, but can Michael Brown at least look at the text and say, OK, this doesn't measure up. Therefore, this guy is a criminal. No, he can't even do that. It's yeah. not just that he's not willing to police him. He's not even willing to identify the criminals who are violating the text. That's right. And that's what every citizen should be able to do, to know what the law says and say, uh, uh, look, but you can't do that. You can't steal this. You can't lie to this person. You can't perjure yourself. You can't. I know what the law says enough to be able to call out people who are violating the law. Michael Brown's not even willing to do that. So it's not just that he's not willing to police it. We don't necessarily expect you to police it. You can't police that movement in terms of clean, be the single handed guy who, yeah. who cleans it all up. Right. But come on, you can at least be willing to point to some of the people who are frauds in the movement. And if you can't do that, then yeah. but what is your teaching on discernment worth? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, Jim, I've, you and I've talked about this before, but uh, I have heard Michael Brown uh, ably defend penal substitutionary atonement. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's debated on that issue and other issues and um, I could not have done any better on penal substitutionary atonement. So, so I, he, he knows a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, if there's going to be anyone in the charismatic movement with discernment, uh, you would think it would, it would be Dr. Michael Brown. And yet he continues to, and to use your words, uh, give shade to all these known heretics and charlatans. And he has done a lot of good work on the homosexual issue too. I mean, yeah. wrote that book, a gay thing, a queer thing happened to America. And he has taken a good stand and written a lot of very good and very helpful things in helping Christians deal with the Obergefell decision and think biblically about gender and human sexuality. And, and he is our ally in all of those areas. And I honestly do not know what the issue is. I, I think there is this desire to cling to these supernatural gifts, to see them as a work of the Spirit of God. And I think that that desire tends to blind people to the, the heresies that are that are there. I mean, the you think about it, Justin, the minute he begins to, the minute anybody in the charismatic movement begins to question one of the dominoes, eventually they all fall. Yeah, that's right. See, you've seen people like that come out of that movement who have been at your conferences. And I, I have people like that in my own congregation whom I visit with regularly who they will say, you know what, I was involved in the Word of Faith movement. I was involved in the New Apostolic Reformation, the charismatic movement. And then they started to question something. Maybe it was a teacher or a particular doctrine or a vision or a voice or whatever it is. And then they got a hold of one of your seminars or one of my books or something. And the minute you begin to question it and admit that, okay, maybe, maybe this is not a work of God. Maybe this is of the devil. Maybe this isn't biblical. Then those dominoes just start falling one yeah. right after another, because yeah. you, you, if you, if you question any of it, the whole thing comes down like a house of cards. So the best way to keep the whole thing from not coming down like a house of cards is to not question any of it. And yeah. that seems and that seems where Michael Brown and others like that are, are most comfortable is just not questioning anything that goes on and, and then actually attacking or critiquing those who would question it or would critique the movement. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Very well said. That's an excellent point. And and Jim, you and I would both say this as well, that uh, I, I teach this in my seminar that that um, the charismatic slash cessationist issue debate 
in and of itself, we're not talking about a salvific issue. We're not saying that all charismatics are lost. You would not say that. I would not say that. Um, So it's, it's not a salvific issue, but that having been said, it is a very, very, very important issue. I would say for the second tier issues, it's, it's, it's bumping, it's, it's bumping the floor of the primary issues. It's at the top of the secondary issues. It's, it's bumping the floor, but it, it doesn't, we're not talking about salvation. Uh, there are uh, continuous at UN like Sam Storms and Wayne Grudem. Of course, we would affer- affirm them yeah. as, as brothers, of course, but we do strongly and enthusiastically differ on the um, charismatic issue because we're dealing with the sufficiency of scripture, right? Whether yeah. or not God's word is sufficient. Yeah. And that's, that's really what um, comes down to the heart of all of the revelatory gifts and the supernatural gifts that we're talking about. I mean, the uh, Sid, Sid Roth's program, that list that you read earlier, you go back and listen to that. It's what a, a horse told me in heaven, what I learned in heaven. Right. Uh, you know, Jesus taught me to dance in heaven. Uh, obviously, I don't, I, I haven't, I don't have enough in scripture. I have to learn the warrior's dance from Jesus, right? Scripture doesn't teach right. me the warrior's dance. I need the warrior's dance. Therefore, scripture is insufficient. Every one of the, the clickbait titles that Sid Roth churns up out of the, the bowels of darkness for his program, every last one of them is based upon the presupposition that scripture doesn't give me enough. And so I have to, he, he creates in his people this hunger and this longing for something outside of scripture that his yes. program can satisfy. The supernatural, something the scripture doesn't have, something the scripture doesn't teach, something information that scripture does not contain. And if he does not create that hunger or that longing for something outside of scripture in his audience, nobody would go to any of his any of his uh, videos. Yeah, that's right. And you watch Sid Roth. He doesn't exegete. I can honestly I've never not a single time heard him ever exegete any scripture. But you no, find you, you've heard him present the gospel more times than he's exegeted scripture, and oh, that's yeah. a low bar. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly exactly. But I, I hear plenty of exegesis. The problem is, is they're exegeting their dreams, they're exegeting their visions. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, um, God gave me a dream of so and so, you know, and this is what that means, and this is how you know it, their experiences, shape shifting witch doctors flying to heaven, time travel literally time travel. I mean, Skittles falling out, you know, how do you exegete Skittles? I don't know. So, but no exegesis of scripture. And it, no. And the fact that that does not go on on Sid Ross program apparently does not raise any concern to Michael Brown at all. Right. Right. It, it's reflective of just a, a, unfortunately a dissatisfaction with the word of God, God's words, not yeah. enough. We've got to have something more. And, and uh, you've yeah. heard me say this, uh, my question for those folks who would say, well, I've got to have something more than scripture. Have you completely mastered God's word? Start to finish Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 22, 21. You've, have you squeezed every drop of truth there is to be squeezed out of that book? And if the answer to that is no, and it is, then don't tell me that scripture is not enough. Yeah. You haven't exhausted it. Nobody has. Yeah. Well, Jim, thank you very much, brother, for coming on to the program. And uh, as we close, tell us, give us a little quick rundown of of the books you've written, where people can get them, and your church that you pastor. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm assuming that probably everybody who's watching at this point already has heard uh, of the books that I've written. But 
I wrote one about the sufficiency of scripture issue, actually two about the sufficiency of scripture issue, actually three about the sufficiency of scripture <laughs> issue. <clears throat> the first one deals with, um, does God whisper to us, give us impromptings and nudgings and, and impressions. Um, that's the, the book. God doesn't whisper. The other one is uh, sufficiency of scripture as applies to spiritual warfare. She would be, be yeah. binding demons and casting out demons. That's truth or territory. And then the third one is, do we need to trust in heaven visitations to give us information about heaven? The scripture doesn't. That's a sufficiency of scripture issue as well. That's uh, um, yeah. selling the stairway to heaven. And then I wrote a book, which is a, a study, really an exposition or an exegesis of Psalm 73, dealing with the prosperity of the wicked. Why yeah. do the wicked prosper? Those are my four books. Uh, some of them are available in Spanish. Some of them are available as audiobooks, And um, those are all available at jimosman.com or kootenaychurch.com. O-R-G, K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I, church.org. That's where I pastor here in a um, great church of phenomenal people up in Sandpoint, just outside of Sandpoint, Idaho. Yeah. Jim, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, dear ones, I hope that this program has been helpful for you, encouraging, edifying, challenging, undoubtedly, but uh, but by the grace of God, uh, may we all be more sanctified in the truth of God's Word, the truth and the sufficiency of God's Word. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.